When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Max and Sam on the Until Saturday podcast feed, a special recruiting portal roster management edition of the pod. Sam Khan, your host here of the show, joined as always by my co-host, great friend Max Olson, the king of the portal and roster management. Buddy, how are you doing? I'm down bad, Sam. <laughs> I'm down bad, and you know why You know why I'm down bad. Okay. Uh, Speaking yes, of roster management... <laughs> Speaking of roster management, Sunday was the darkest day for fantasy football in the history of my life. In the history, I mean, just the absolute worst. I, I'm losing. To, I'm I'm obviously going to lose to you. Let's just run down the people who are on my list today, okay? Let's just do this real quick. You want to talk about personnel? And you want to talk about roster management? Okay. In the athletic league, I went ten and four this year. Played you uh-huh. in the first round. Bijan, 0.4. Lovely. Oh. Zay Flowers, 1.2. Oof. Taysom Hill, 1 point. And, uh, and you're going to destroy me. You're going to destroy yes. me. I'm going to score 90 points in a playoff match. And then the, in my other league, also uh, incredible championship aspirations. And, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill takes the week off. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> Dalton Kincaid, 0. Tony Pollard, Travis Etienne, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I just, it was just a, it was just an awful day, Sam. All my studs just absolutely sucked. How are you? That I'm great. I, I picked up a couple of running backs off the scrap heap and they outperformed B. John Robinson. <laughs> he threw in <laughs> so Ty I'm Chandler. Great. He threw in Ty Chandler and just stomped me. Oh, oh my goodness. <sighs> it was terrific. So, I, I enjoy, I had a very productive yeah. weekend. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very happy. Get going, moving on to the second round. It seems like, uh, Unless Kenneth Walker comes out with a 2021 Michigan State S yeah. performance on Monday night, so I, uh, I one of my good, leagues but, uh, I need AJ Brand to do 26 on Monday night. So if if you're listening to this episode, spoiler alert, he probably didn't do 26. On Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you rough, need to be, but I you hope you are be well otherwise. Yeah, I am well. I am well. Been enjoying this weekend. We had bowl games over the weekend. For the first time, we had the Texas High School State Championships, which I, which I was definitely watching a lot of. We had the uh, FCS playoffs in full effect. Was in watch, enjoying watching that on Saturday night. Uh, and, of course, we got all this player movement going on. We got uh, flurry commitments this weekend. Uh, we're start, we've seen now more and more players commit to school. So Max and I are going to talk about these different programs, several positioning themselves as the Portal King. We're going to discuss who's got the edge for that crown. Uh, we'll also look at some of the more impactful portal commitments that we've seen. We've seen some big ones as of late. Uh, still s- talk about some best available players. There's still a lot out there, a lot of talent to still be had. We'll talk about those guys. And we're going to go a little inside baseball for you guys. We're going to bring on TCU's director of player personnel, Tyler Olker, to talk about roster management in college football in 2023-2024. Get a behind-the-scenes look at what this time of year is like for recruiting staffs, coaches, Handling the portal and signing day simultaneously. Speaking of signing day, 
Before we go today, we will talk about signing day. The early signing period starts this week on Wednesday, and we're going to give you a little update of what's to watch for. Five-star flips, surging recruiting classes, a lot more. As always, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review with, and if you leave a question with that review, we will answer it on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube, and we can make sure to join the live stream, especially the Sunday sound off every week, which is a lot of fun uh, on Sunday. Ari, David, and Scott Docterman talked about a 2014 playoff, which was uh, right up my alley. So I was uh, I was enjoying that. And uh, leave a voicemail, text the Until Saturday phone line at 316-462-9852 to join the sound off each week. Really helps the show in a big way. So shout out to shout out to Joe Philbin if you listen to the uh, Sunday sound off this week. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, um, Max. Let's talk about the portal. This is obviously the topic we've been talking about a lot the last two weeks, and we're now fully two weeks in from the opening of the winter portal date. Uh, and there's a lot has happened so far. We've got Ole Miss had a pretty big weekend. Uh, Colorado obviously has added a lot, as you would expect, after Deion Sanders' first year uh, in his approach to roster building. Uh, but there's a lot more out there so far. I guess, why, why don't you give us a quick update, Max, of some of the recent commitments and kind of who's surging here as we close in on the dead period. Yeah. I wrote about this uh, for Monday morning on the athletic um, kind of digging into the weekend winners in the portal. It was a really um, pretty, pretty wild weekend uh, in terms of transfer recruiting um, because you, you know, this is kind of the last, last weekend to do official visits uh, before the, the recruiting dead period hits. And then, you know, all these transfers that are out there, um, have to wait until first week of January to go take some more trips here. So um, pretty, pretty important visits here. Like you're going to usually see a ton of commitments just coming off. Okay. I, I jammed three, three trips into one week time to pick one of them. Right. <laughs> Which is not the best, not the best probably decision-making process, but that is what it's like for players in the portal. Right. Um, so um, I, I, I think the big winner, the one that everybody's talking about is certainly Ole Miss. Um, and I, I think that, you're seeing the rebels are gearing up for um, a big year in 2024. And I, you know, I, I think it's, if you look at it this year, um, they would have been the 11 seed in a 12 team playoff um, for, for winning, you know, 10 games, obviously didn't play for the ACC title. They are, they are aiming for much more than that uh, next year, my dude. Um, they've got, and it makes sense. I mean, they've got everybody coming back pretty much on offense. Um, they've got, they've got a proven quarterback. They've got, a real opportunity here to go contend and, uh, and, and more opportunity now with the expanded playoff. And so, uh, you know, they, they are, they are chasing the best out there. Um, they picked up juice Wells, the wide receiver from, from South Carolina on Sunday, who, uh, I think is the best, best receiver available in the portal. A guy that was a first team all sec guy in 2022 dealt with injuries last season, but that's a huge get, um, for a team that really didn't need to add a whole lot on offense. Uh, they picked up two of the best pass rushers, uh, you know, edge defenders in, in the portal this this weekend in Tyler Barron and Princely Uman Mielin from Florida, um, Tyler Barron from Tennessee. And so those were huge. I mean, those are just SEC caliber guys that you can plug right into the lineup. Um, they picked up a bunch of DBs. They picked up Chris Paul Jr. from uh, Arkansas. Um, they, they are they are feasting right now in the portal, Sam. And uh, they're trying to add Walter Nolan, the number one, the consensus number one guy in the portal. They're trying to add him. To that group, um, he he visited Ole Miss over the weekend, and uh, his his dad. I, I like this quote. His dad uh, gave an interview twenty four seven yesterday and said, uh, 
Ole Miss, they got something cooking. There, there, there is no question they've they got something cooking. They're going to be pretty good next year. So, um, I, you know, Sam, what do you make of that? Does that strike you as, uh, you know, a little bit of you know runaway hype train there a little bit, a little too early to to say these things, or do you look at what's coming back in these these proven pieces and say, yeah, I could see it? No, I mean, you look at you get Jackson Dart, you got Quinshawn Judkins, you got a lot of guys back off this team that went ten and two. Uh, and obviously you don't have to win the SEC West next year because there's not going to be an SEC West. There's going to be no divisions anymore. And the path to the major postseason and trying to contend for a championship changes now. So if you, it's, it's no longer, well, we can't win the West and you know, we're not going to be able to get in the playoff. Now you can. And like you said, this, if this season had happened, they'd be an 11th seed. You, build this team up. And this, to me, and Ari and Dave kind of discussed this a little bit on Sunday. It's kind of you you gear up and you're like, you know what? We've got a really good team. we got a chance to make a run for it. Let's go all in on 2024 and see what we can do. I don't think it's necessarily a runaway hype train. I think we're going to have a lot of this in the offseason because we've got you know, eight, nine months to fill up. And so we'll, we'll talk about this a lot and, and narratives get to run away. We start crowning Texas Tech as the Big 12 champion or something as we did last offseason or as Dave Ubbin did last offseason. But mm-hmm. I think there's some validity here because it, it, it does seem like Lane Kiffin has raised the floor on Ole Miss. And now it's a matter of can you take it another level? And when you are talking about adding some of these guys that they've added, and if you're able to add a Walter Nolan to that, Buddy, that's that's a pretty that's a contender. That's a national yeah. contender that you're talking about. And so, uh, yeah, it's early. Everything's got to work out. You got to get the guys to kick off in September, obviously. But I, I'm really impressed with what they've done in the portal. And I think it, it's not the way that you're going to do it every year. I don't think. I don't think you can win like this every year. But if you want to pull all your eggs in one basket for one season to take a swing at it, this is the way to do it. I think you kind of compare it in a way. To, to major league teams they are like, hey, you know what? We've got this nucleus right now and we got a chance to win something. Let's do everything we can. Let's make a trade to the trade deadline. Let's sign a big free agent and try to make a run this year because this is going to be our shot. When you have a window, take advantage of it. And and this is, this is part of the new reality of the portal. It gives you an opportunity to maximize those windows and and improve your team a lot faster than, than you could before when you were just signing 25 high school recruits. Yeah, and I think if you look at the schedule, um, I, I know I know it's it's not this simple, but I mean their non conference power five game next year is Wake Forest. They are they don't play Alabama in the regular season. They're replacing Alabama with Oklahoma. They're replacing Texas A and M with Kentucky. Like I think the schedule looks easier next year than it did this year, and they won won ten games this year, obviously. So I, I think that uh it's pretty favorable. And yeah, I think it's especially nowadays the way that this is uh this this is all kind of run in terms of um, you know the competition for the top guys in the portal it, it I, I it makes sense when you when you kind of have um that much coming back and that much confidence in the in the players that are already in the program like it makes sense for for people to want to help donate to your collective and say let's go buy some nice christmas presents this year right let's go <laughs> let's go uh you know Make this is December a good time to, to invest let's, right 100 yeah, i mean it's 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 a, it's a worthy investment if you feel like man we're we're this close we won 10 games you know for the second time in 3 years here um so 
I, you know, they are a contender. And, and then once you put this, this kind of a, a group together, then if you're a Walter Nolan, um, if you are these top guys, uh, DeCamrian Richardson, the cornerback from Mississippi state who like they're competing with like Oregon and LSU and all the big schools for him, like those guys are looking at what's going on and saying like, Hmm, that seems like the hot place to be. And that can kind of help sway it possibly, you know, uh, in, in some ways. So really interested to see I, their Ole Miss is, is far from finished here. Um, and I'm sure they'll take more in the spring too, but, uh, man, pretty, pretty dominant showing so far, uh, from, from them. I talked to someone on their staff who said, this is the, the best month of recruiting in Ole Miss history and it's not, not, not wow. done. So we'll see how they close on signing day here, but, uh, a lot of, a uh, lot of enthusiasm about what's going on down in Oxford. Yeah. And, uh, you, they, they've had some moments in the past. We of course remember the Hugh Freeze era when they had that 2013 class with Robert Kim Dice and Larry Tunzel and, Laquan Treadwell and they ended up they didn't win an SEC title but they beat Alabama a couple times and and they reached Mm -hmm. a level that hadn't been reached in a while in Oxford so I I think there's a lot of optimism there when we look at the rest of the group in the portal you see a team like Colorado they've got 15 commits they they rebuilt their entire offensive line they got some other intriguing guys Louisville brought in a dozen guys they've been busy bringing visitors in they had Tyler Shuck uh, the quarterback from Texas Tech, who, who's plugs in a big need there. You got TCU, who's got eight guys, a little bit smaller numbers, but a lot of impact players. Who are who are the teams that have besides Ole Miss that have stood out to you and in, in what they've done in the portal for the first two weeks? Yeah, I, I would circle Louisville as one that I think has been pretty pretty impressive. I mean, you 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 have a lot of kind of the usual suspects here competing over guys that that have you know recruited top portal classes before. But I think you saw um, Louisville um, struck, you know, they, they were able to hit on the right kind of players last year going into year one uh, out of the portal, took Jamari Thrash out of Georgia State, took Jack Plummer from Cal. Um, they, they've just picked up, you know, Jawar Jordan was a guy that, that had also transferred previously. Like they, they were able to, to really hit on some good pieces um, really all over their team over these last couple years, really um, in, in, in terms of transfer portal recruiting, just to, to boost that thing and get it back to competitive in the ACC. And you saw that paid off in terms of competing for a conference title. Um, I really like some of the players that they've been able to, uh, to, to lock up so far. It was, it was a big weekend for them. I think Colin Lacey, the wide receiver uh, from South Alabama, one of the most productive uh, G five receivers in the country this year, Really liked that pickup. Ja'Cory Brooks is uh, Alabama's second leading receiver a year ago, and he's going to go in there. And, and and if if you know a five star guy from Alabama is like a reclamation project, like probably not a bad risk to take if you're Louisville. <laughs> um, Donald Cheney Jr., another guy who was caught in in a, in a, a stable of backs there at Miami, uh, but a, but a highly tatted guy. I like the tight ends they've picked up. Uh, they flipped uh, uh, they flipped uh, one of the better. Defensive lineman in Conference USA away from Minnesota over the weekend. They got Thor Griffith, Bruce Feldman's guy from the Freaks list from Harvard. I just really like what Louisville's done, and they're they, again that's another one that uh, uh, is is going to keep picking up commitments this week. And I think it's been reported they they brought in at least twenty transfers for official visits here in the past couple of weeks. Wow. Like they are they are going hard on on, on uh, portal recruiting and trying to stay an ACC contender. So. Been really impressed by them. Um, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk TCU. I don't know how much Tyler is going to let us uh, talk about some of the guys that are <laughs> that are in their class um, of, of portal takes, but I, I do like what TCU's done. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of you're, you're clearly seeing them taking a bunch of guys on offense to try to, to um, upgrade on that side of the ball. Um, and I, I think Drake Dabney was one of the better tight ends in the Big Twelve this year. 
Um, I think, you know, Eric McAllister was the, the, the second leading uh, receiver in, in Mountain West at, at Boise State this season uh, before he left the team. So I think, I think, you know, him, you know, Braylon James is like that classic kind of like blue chip recruit who, who goes to a big school, leaves the state of Texas, goes to a big school in Notre Dame. And then a year later is like, okay, I want to come home. I, I want to come play for one of the home state schools. And so um, I think those kinds of guys you, you have a chance to really hit on. So I like what they've done. Um, and, and we'll talk about that more with Tyler for sure. Um, but, uh, there's just, you know, there, there's some of these schools, Texas, Oregon, um, Alabama, Ole Miss, uh, you know, Georgia, there's, there's some of these schools that are, are competing for the, the very best guys out there. And you kind of, you expect that, um, you, you kind of know who, who they are every year, but it's, to me, it's kind of like that second tier and, and the, the programs like TCU, like Louisville that can really, you know, the, the, uh, the the guys that they go find aren't going to be as touted, but they could make the difference in terms of a couple mm-hmm. wins if you if you put the right kind of class together. Um, and if you if you whiff on them, then you're probably not going to be very good too. So it's it's there's some risk to it, obviously. But I'm always interested in kind of that 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 mid tier Power Five program that's looking to take either G five guys or uh, maybe some FCS guys or, or or kind of trying to find the the you know turn over every rock and, and find the gems out here. Uh, there's more than 1300 players in the portal just in terms of <laughs> FBS scholarship players. So uh, only 20% of them are committed so far. So lots of good ones still out there. Yeah. That, that's the interesting part. And as we move into the 12 team playoff era, it's we we've had this 14 playoff for so long and you, you've had to recruit at a certain level. Like your high school recruiting had to be at a certain level to be in that mix. Now that's going to change with the 12 team. And then it makes me wonder if you're a team that recruits in the twenties or thirties, could you, is when you get enough of these impact guys, can you put yourself in that conversation, get yourself into that top 12, and then all of a sudden you're playing for national championships. That's That'll be fascinating to see. Let's talk about individual totally. transfers, some of the most impact guys. We saw Kyle McCord, uh, the former Ohio State quarterback, committed to Syracuse over the weekend. We've touched on a lot of others. Uh, Matthew Golden, the former Houston receiver, committed to Texas. Yeah, well, what did you think of that one? Matthew Golden going from Houston to Texas. <laughs> Not surprised at all. I think when he got in, it seemed like it was trending that way right away. I knew a lot of people were going to get in in the mix uh, for him, but it seemed like Texas was the favorite from the start. And, and it's funny, even Steve Sarkeesian, when they played Houston this year, uh, kind of went out of his way to mention uh, Golden, and, and they had recruited him when you know the first time around out of high school. And, mm-hmm. Thought he was a really skilled player, and so it seemed, you know, Xavier Worthy's any, on the way any out. Any nefarious probably. post-game handshakes or anything like that? You know, you always got to be watching <laughs> right. out for that stuff. Press yeah, conference no, shout-outs, post-game handshakes. Yeah. It's it's a dirty world out here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh no, it, it, Xavier Worthy's about to probably about to go to the draft. I would assume. You know, he hasn't said anything yet, but you would assume that he's probably head to the NFL and. They 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 need another receiver, uh, you know, to go and Ad Mitchell could go to the draft AD as well, Mitchell, I guess. And Jordan so they, they were reloading yeah, there for sure. Yeah. J- Jordan Whittington's, you know, I think he's he's toward the end of his eligibility here, so they're they're going to need some receivers. Golden's a plug and play guy, man. I mean, he was one of the best return guys in the country and also a really good receiver uh, for two seasons at Houston. So I thought that was a huge pickup uh, for Texas. And uh, but but who are some of the most impactful that you're you're excited about to see? Uh, in 2024 in the new squads. I, you know, you mentioned it um, pretty interesting to see the Kyle McCord recruitment and kind of how that one shook out. Um, I'm I'm sure I, I understand like a lot of people probably respond to that by, by just seeing Kyle McCord commit to Syracuse on Sunday and say like, Oh wow, I guess 
I guess he wasn't good. You know what I mean? I guess Ohio State didn't have a very good quarterback <laughs> if that's where he ended up. And I understand. I mean, I definitely understand the like, wow, Ohio State went 11 and one with the guy that transferred to Syracuse. So uh, he, maybe he was whole, like, I, I definitely understand that. I understand that 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 piece of it. I'm very interested to see if Ohio State goes and gets a transfer, if they want to go bet on, you know, Devin Brown and Aaron Nolan and, you know, Lincoln Conholtz, the guys they have in their program. But honestly, Sam, you you know, in terms of uh, what Syracuse is doing, Fran Brown and his coaching staff, they, they I, I, I wrote this on Monday. This is not going to be the first time people are saying, wow, I'm surprised that guy's going to Syracuse. Okay. Nope. Because that, that staff, they're going to recruit their butts off. And uh, I think people are going to be surprised by the kind of talent that they can get to come, uh, you know, come to, come out to New York there and, and go play for them because I think they're going to do a really good job in the Northeast. And, uh, you know, Kyle McCord is, uh, is a guy that gives them, I think, legitimacy in terms of, Hey, this is going to be a really, really solid quarterback that we can, we can build around and, uh, and win some games next year. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like Fran Brown has set a really good tone there from the day he took over. And, and I'm really intrigued to see what he can do for that program, which is honestly one of the tougher power five jobs out there. Uh, yep. Quickly, before we move on to Tyler, let's talk best available in the portal. I know you guys uh, keep this list pretty updated. Cam Ward, uh, former quarterback at Washington State, still out there. Walter Nolan, who we mentioned, who had visited Ole Miss. Trevor Etienne, the former running back at Florida. Malik Murphy, who jumped on the portal last week, backup quarterback at Texas. Trey yep. Moore at UTSA. Will Howard, K-State. There's a lot of guys out there who are the ones that – guess have uh, kind of caught your eye in terms of you know the buzz that they've generated and and, and who we're still trying to figure out where they're going here yeah i mean you never know how well things age on a podcast right so i will here's as, <laughs> as of we monday early monday afternoon, afternoon. <laughs> it, it's looking like cameron ward's going to be a miami versus florida state battle it's you know i think the third option is still in play of, of potentially entering the nfl draft um i think probably a decision later this week for Cameron Ward again, as I mentioned, these guys can't take any visits this week or next week, and so mm-hmm. um, they have to uh, start getting pretty real here about uh, making a move. And uh, so I think Cam Ward uh, is 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 pretty torn, and uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where he goes. And that's going to have a little bit of a domino effect, I think, in terms of the uh, the transfer market here, uh, because you've got. Um, it, I mean, it, it looks like Will Howard's probably heading to USC, but he also visited Miami and and is. Um, you know, could be the guy at Miami. You got DJU um, also visited Florida State this weekend after Cam Ward did. So, um, you know, I think that that decision by by Cam is going to uh, affect who's playing quarterback at those schools here uh, pretty quickly. Um, yeah, Walter Nolan, as we mentioned, Oregon, Ole Miss. I'm sure a is fighting to try to get him back. Uh, you know, I mean, he can really mm-hmm. he can really. Uh, pick his school and name his number in a lot of ways in terms of where he wants to go. So um, that that's going to be a pretty fierce battle here. Um, just consensus best player out there. Um, I think Trevor Etienne, it's looking good, good for Georgia. And, uh, you know, that would be uh, a, a big time pickup for for that program. I feel like that's one of those guys that, you know, if if Georgia had a Trevor Etienne this year, you know, perhaps they're, they're winning another SEC title and they're in the playoff. Right? I think that would have been a, a, a big difference maker for them at that position this year. Um, you know, so we'll see if they can, can, can lock that one up. You know, I, I'm curious what you think of Malik, the Malik Murphy situation, Sam, because I think maybe in my head, I expected that there'd be a, a, a big, big race for him when he went in, he waited a while to go in the portal. So some of these schools had already taken quarterbacks, but as you saw on Sunday, you know, Baylor took Daquan Finn, um, South Carolina is re- reportedly going to pick up AJ Swan from Vanderbilt. So it's, it's not 
not what I expected in terms of Murphy going into the portal. Could be Oregon State. Could be other schools coming into the mix here. Duke, Duke's also been uh, a, a contender there. Is that – do you think that people are just looking at the tape with Malik Murphy and just kind of saying, oh, man, this guy's big, good-looking, but more raw than we expected? Maybe so. Uh, I mean, there's two starts – very up and down, mixed bag, right? Yeah. Because yeah. He, he was, it was the first time he had really gotten any real playing time, and season was on the line. And it's a difficult situation to put put a young man in. And let's let's not forget, this is a young man that didn't play at all his freshman year, as, as true freshman year, because he had been recovering from a foot injury, ankle injury that he'd had at the end of his high school career. So he it really took him a while to get really settled in at Texas and yeah. and it was a little bit frustrating at times because and then he he had some other injuries I think that popped up from time to time and I think that that just made a little bit of a struggle with the transition there initially so he's not what you would expect a second year quarterback to be Laura it's like okay he got some snaps as a true freshman and then he got some more snaps and a couple starts as a, as a redshirt freshman no he really he really hasn't had a ton of playing time and so yeah, he's definitely raw, and, and I think you could see that even when Sarkeesian got him out of California when he signed him. But I still look at the tools. I look at the size. I look at the arm strength. I also look at the tangibles. This is a guy who everybody in that locker room loves. Like when he got the chance, and Quinn Ewers went down, they were they rallied around Malik Murphy, mm-hmm. and so you you get it's a good character guy, really good locker room guy. I. I think part of the idea of maybe why it's a little bit more tepid too is just because when he went in, because he went in, yeah, I think it was Thursday last week. Uh, yeah, really, he only had four days to take visits, and I it was a tough decision. I get it because you had the whole college football playoff thing, you know, lingering there. But if he had gone in the first week or even early, maybe three, four, five days earlier, maybe he gets time to get a few more visits, and and maybe you get a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit quicker. Because the thing is too is with a quarterback. Guys want to see the guy in person. You know that, that, that's that's one they position do. you really want to see guys face to face, if at all possible. And it's you know just nowadays, like I know Matt Rule said what he said, but like if you're a guy that doesn't have that much tape and you've got like a big asking price, like that's it's an interesting proposition for these teams who are like trying to be kind of risk averse with this, and and they want experience and they want um, somebody who's not going to get them fired. But the funny thing is, Sam, like the bottom line with Malik Murphy, if you ask me, like he's got three more years, you know, and yep. so it's like. <laughs> and and also just for what it's worth, people weren't that stoked about Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix or Bo Nix when they went in the portals. So it's like, you know, I I understand you're not maybe getting the instant payoff of of uh, Malik Murphy being a Heisman guy. I don't expect that wherever he goes. But this is somebody you can invest some some time and resources into developing as your QB one and building up his confidence and building up a team around him, like. I don't know. Maybe I overestimated, um, you know, the the demand there. Maybe he mistimed it a little bit in terms of when he went in the portal. But uh, I kind of, I kind of still think that uh, whoever gets him is uh, is potentially getting a steal if he comes in ready to go, ready to compete for a job, and, and can stay healthy. Brother, turn on the tape from that spring game and watch those deep balls that he threw. And I tell you, like he can sling it, man. Like he's a really he's a really physically talented guy. So. Definitely. I think he'll 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 thrive wherever he ends up. Let's move on and talk to Tyler Olker from TCU, director of player personnel. Let's get a little inside look at what this time is like right now for recruiting staffs. 
The hectic nature of the transfer portal and its overlap with high school recruiting keeps personnel staffers around the country extremely busy at this time of year. To help enlighten us on the rapidly evolving nature of roster management, Max and I are thrilled to bring you our guest this week on the pod, Tyler Oker, Director of Player Personnel at TCU. Tyler, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Um, trying to keep my head above water. You know, the last couple <laughs> weeks have been, been hectic, but uh, it's been fun. It's a good good time, good opportunity to obviously improve your roster. No doubt. No doubt. We know you've been busy. Now, we wanted to bring Tyler in to give us some knowledge inside, behind the curtain, uh, from someone who's working behind the scenes and, and fans who watch college football. You know, they, Every week, they know the head coaches. They know the star players. But when it comes to recruiting 2023... People like Tyler are really, truly at the heart of a personnel operation and vital making sure that the program gets the players that it wants and, and who fits the program best. You know, you've, you've worked at Kansas before, SMU, even at the FCS level at Drama Mod or Northern Colorado. But just give us a taste first, Tyler, and give the listeners a little bit of a synopsis of what's your job like on a day-to-day -day basis, and particularly this time of year in December with signing day coming up and, and the portal humming the last two weeks. Yeah. So last few weeks have really been just a lot of obviously clicking and waiting and seeing who's going to enter the portal. Um, so there's just <laughs> a lot of, a lot of waiting at times, but, um, really it all is just database management, especially with the guys entering, figuring out what's real, what's not, uh, what are our positions of need, who are local kids maybe that are hitting the portal, especially for us being at TCU. Um, so guys coming home, but really just keeping everybody in line. So. Um, you know, what are we going to take at, from a position standpoint? What are we going to take from an offense defense standpoint? And then just obviously looking at overall numbers. Now on top of that, then you throw, we've got coaches on the road and they're out recruiting. Um, you've got official visits going on, which has really been kind of nonstop for the last two weeks. And so it's really just trying to keep everybody feeding them, you know, players feeding them, um, tasks and things to do and kind of just continually taking things on and, and then filtering it back out. Tyler, people people see with the portal, they see the commitments. Obviously, they see the offers go out and stuff like that. Could you kind of walk people through what that that process is like for you guys leading up to to December 4th when suddenly a 1,000 players are available at once and, and you've got to kind of yeah. figure out um, not just the needs, on you know, projecting the needs, obviously, for 24, but then just how do you kind of, identify and and uh, and quickly move through this recruiting process. Yeah. So a lot of what we do going into the portal kind of starts prior to the portal. Um, we do a lot of advanced scouting throughout the season on opponents, and that's kind of where it all begins. And then I'd say about, you know, six to eight weeks before the portal opens, we really start to do a deep dive on, okay, what are our needs? Um, and then looking at those positions maybe elsewhere, right? So. Um, digging through rosters, where have kids gone, how are they playing, um, starting to get kids tagged and, and almost graded and evaluated so that when they do hit the portal, if they do hit the portal, uh, we have a really good jump start. So nothing's overwhelming um, when the portal does open because we've done so much prep work on the front end. Uh, this was really the first year we were able to kind of devote some some good resources with with some of our students and our interns and just kind of making sure that we're set up for, you know, the portal opening. So we, we've uh, went back and dug through a lot of guys and, and put in a lot of evals, a lot of evals we obviously ended up not using because kids don't, don't hit the portal. So um, really just 
having a good plan ahead of the ahead of time is what kind of allows us or has allowed us to, you know, I think be pretty thorough when guys do hit the portal. I'm I'm curious when you guys got there, obviously going into year one, it's it's maybe a little bit more straightforward in terms of here's what we don't have, here's how we're trying to play. Let's go get, you know, go get fit and go get, you know, replace players that have we've lost to the portal and things like that. How 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 do you and how how does um you know your head coach Sonny Dykes how do you guys look at the portal now philosophically in terms of how it can help TCU you know compete for for Big Twelve championships how do you kind of view that in terms of um how how much you should be leaning on it Yeah, well, I think we'd really be remiss if we didn't talk about high school football because we're in the greatest state for high school football. So everything we do really does start with, with our high school players. And, you know, 98% of our kids, our high school kids will come from, um, from Texas. So everything we do is really kind of right here. We don't really have to leave the region much to go find kids, but, um, you know, it all starts with our high school kids. And I'd say, you know, we're about to sign our third class here. Um, so really those guys are starting to get older and, you know, as you go through the season, then shifting gears kind of to the transfers, you start to figure out, okay, who's leaving, who's graduating, who's expiring eligibility, who's going to the league. And you start to kind of fill your holes of, you know, looking at your roster of where, where are we going to have gaps? Where do we need to kind of go, go find a transfer? And so we do that pretty early on, probably midway through the season or so, if not earlier, you can kind of project some of that stuff. And um, so you're, you're kind of looking and trying to balance it all out at the same time. But um Obviously, high school kids are very important to us, but the transfers uh, with where we're at, what we're able to sell from an academic standpoint, uh, from the success we've had um, to Coach Dykes' success offensively, just all those kind of things come into factor. And then, you know, we're out there obviously hunting these guys down as soon as they do do hit the portal. I, I just want to ask, the ones that have worked out, the ones that, that, that like Josh Newton, Johnny Hodges, the guys that have been big hits for you, are, are there certain things you feel like you guys are looking for or certain things that maybe the successful transfers you bring in kind of have in common? I think the the ones we've had the most success with are the ones that have had success at the previous school. Um, the ones that have played snaps and have experience. And so that's mm-hmm. always where we start with everything. And then obviously a big piece of that for us is mentality. You know, are do they have kind of a pro mindset? Are they uh, mature with what they're doing and just how they kind of approach their their day to day, I think, is a big part of of success. And I think that you can see that with the ones that are successful and the ones that are not. Now, earlier in the podcast, Max and I were talking just kind of, you know, he's he's been tracking the portal for a while. It's It's been a pretty nonstop for the last two weeks. You mentioned all the prep work that you guys have to do on the front end. This is a lot. The, the calendar, I know, at this time is kind of crazy with you know, signing day coming up. You've got you know, the portals hopping. you got coaches on the road, all this other stuff. A lot of people talk about the calendar. Now, there's, and there's a lot of other stuff going on. There's the NIL stuff going on too. So you're someone who lives this every day behind that. the scenes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're someone who's, who lives this every day. And I know we get to ask coaches and administrators, ADs, what they think, conference commissioners, what they think about how to fix issues in the sport. If I gave you the chance to change some rules, recruiting rules, what are the things, whether it's recruiting or portal related, that you would change? I think uh, from a recruiting perspective, I'd probably go the route of, and I think it's similar in some of the other uh, Olympic sports, but limiting us to only being able to recruit two classes at one time. 
you know, we should be able to talk to right now, the 24s and the 25s. I think if we could take the 26s and 27s off our plate, I think that'd be a really big deal. And it would really allow people to, to hone in and use their resources wisely. Um, I think that there's obviously schools that, you know, feel the need or they find kids that are good enough players as freshmen and sophomore to, to go on them. But that's probably only, you know, 2% of the population that end up with offers as freshmen and sophomore. Um, so just being able to really hone in on the current classes, um, you know, 24s, 25s, I think that would take a lot off of recruiting staffs, personnel staffs, and that kind of stress of just having too many kids to where it's overwhelming. Um, I think that that would probably be where I'd start. So if you were to say like no contact, let's say before August 1st of a player's junior year, no visit, all that stuff, that would, that would be, that would be a ideal scenario to help, help. I think it would just simplify things. Now, obviously I say Mm -hmm. all that and we're, we're at a place where we're in DFW. We get a lot of traffic. We get um, the opportunity to have a lot of these kids on campus at an early age. So you know, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here when, you know, <laughs> it is great that we can get these kids on campus and, and show them around at a young age. But then what are the uh, actual percentages of us signing those kids? You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot more definite scenarios that older these kids get, you know exactly who you're going to recruit. Now, as we talk about the calendar, I feel like, and this is just my take, I feel like everything's been pushed up. You know, we got the portal window open December 4th. You got early signing day that moved that up. You see spring official visits. So juniors, into their junior year, they're going official visits. I feel like we're seeing more guys commit earlier, and it's moving all the timeline up. Is, is that what you're seeing? And if so, where does that leave the rising high school senior who's a late bloomer? Yeah. Um, I think that things are definitely getting faster. I think every year they get sped up, they get faster, whatever the case may be, you know, things are always just moving on thousand miles an hour for those high school kids. Um, obviously I'll sit here and say, if you're a high school kid and you know where you want to go, make that decision, get, get locked in, make sure you have a spot, all that stuff. Uh, because if it comes to this time, this time of year, you just never know what's going to be available, all that stuff. Things change hourly. Um, with, with the transfers and things that are involved. Uh, I will say one of the things that we are very prideful on and feel is very important still is senior evaluation. And so we generally will go into um, a signing class and leave a few towards the end of the, the class, knowing that there's going to be some seniors that, that play well their senior year that we want to kind of move forward with. And so uh, we'll keep a few in our pocket for that. Um, but I do think that there's – you know, beginning to be, you know, less spots for those kids later on, kind of down the, down the recruiting trail. All right, Tyler, on Wednesday, National Signing Day. First of all, what, what is that day like anymore? Because people just have the old image of faxes. I assume we're not faxing. Yeah. And how crazy <laughs> was it for you guys last year dealing with all this stuff and a CFP game? For sure. Um, well, to start with signing day, it's not like what it used to be. Even when I first got in, it was a lot of sitting around, waiting for emails to come back and forth. I don't know what everybody else does, but we just send ours via DocuSign. I can see when a kid uses it. <laughs> I can see if he didn't click on the right thing. So, you know, we all just kind of sit in the staff room. We drink coffee and we stare at DocuSign. Um, it's pretty easy. <laughs> Good. 
it's it's not it's not very difficult but um you know we're kind of getting with the times in terms of technology at least here i don't know i don't know what everybody else is doing um but i've i've enjoyed it i think it's a super easy process um working through DocuSign. um makes sense so yeah what was your second question sorry yeah, well, how how crazy was it this time last year dealing yeah. with all these things, dealing with having one visit weekend while you were dealing with it mm-hmm. with uh, CFP? Yeah, running. so we were just you know running around. I mean, I remember we came back from the Fiesta Bowl, and I think two days after we got back, we had official visits. So we're official visiting kids while we're trying to prepare for the national championship. I think we had like five or six kids come in, and it was just you know the team doesn't know when they're leaving yet. We're, we don't know what our practice schedule is, but kids are running around campus. It, it was just kind of, I won't say it was messy because it was obviously a great opportunity for us, for the team, um, for all that stuff. But there's just, again, just like everything else in football, there's just a ton of things going on and trying to balance that and make sure you're util- utilizing everybody else's time correctly. It was just harder than it needed to be. Who is, in all the years you've been involved in this, who's the best recruit you scouted or saw? I think my favorite one was probably Puka Williams. Yeah. Puka was, he was fun to watch. He was a, you know, 5'8", 165 pound guy. And he did not play like that. You know, he played big, (laughs) he was shifty, he was fast, uh, you name it. Uh, He was fun to watch. He was down in uh, Hanville, Louisiana. But um, he was probably the most fun, fun to scout, see in person. And then, you, you know, you meet him and you're like, you're the one that was on film? Because he's just, you know, this, this tiny dude. But um, big personality and was a great player. How many guys have you signed that had fewer than 10 toes? Is that the <laughs> only one? Many. Probably the only one. Yeah. To my knowledge, at least. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't a deal breaker. He was pretty fast. No. Yeah. Hey, he got it done. So now who are some of the guys you've stood on the table for? Like guys who really people were kind of tepid on, underrated dudes but you you identify and you're like you know what this guy is going to be a stud and 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 it eventually turned out that way um i think the one that kind of stands out initially and i don't know if i needed to like jump on the table and pound it for him but um mason fairchild at kansas the tight end when les miles got there we were kind of working through some different things he was going to be a big heavy personnel guy uh, Mason was an in-state tight end. He was committed to, I think, South Dakota at the time. And he was just kind of one of those ones that like made sense, being a Kansan, all that stuff. And so um, talked to Coach Miles pretty early on about him. We got on the phone with him. I think the first time I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I'm going to check with my parents, but I think I'm going to go to South Dakota. And I was like, dude, <laughs> Power 5 football, come on. So, you know, whatever. We ended up landing him, and he's had a he's had a pretty good career so far, and I think uh, they've utilized him pretty well up there. Do, do you ever think about uh, Jamar Chase? <laughs> uh, what could have been? Uh, that would have been pretty what could cool. could have been? But I, former Kansas yeah, I commit Jamar Chase. I, tr- I try not to think about that too often. <laughs> that had to be pretty f- i mean getting him clayton tune that was a pretty pretty cool group yeah. there for a second i mean we had clayton tune committed to us i think twice <clears throat> i think maybe three times but you know that would have been that would have been really fun up there obviously clayton had a really good career and he's you know dabbling around in the league right now so um we had we've had some guys committed at kansas at times now we didn't obviously land them so that didn't really help us a whole bunch let's save the best for last the Official visits. First of all, mm-hmm. 
How much do you eat during official visit season? There's always food. That's for sure. <laughs> now I'm a former O lineman, so <laughs> I can get down with some, some good food. Um, I think where you guys are probably headed is barbecue. You guys both seem like big barbecue guys. Um, we utilize a bunch of different places throughout Fort Worth. You know, Heim's been really good to us. Uh, Hurtado has been a good one. Cooper's barbecue. There's all these different spots around town that, that we can use from a, uh, official visit standpoint, you've obviously got Joe T Garcia's that we'll, we'll utilize and stuff, but mm-hmm. we like to do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. too in the stadium, you know? And so, um, the food that we have here is unbelievable. Uh, you get the lights on the stadium and, uh, just all that stuff. So now there's always food every, every, everywhere you turn, you're looking, there's, there's going to be food, a snack, a drink, whatever it is. There's, there's, there's stuff all over. I've heard Coach Dykes' house is awesome too. How much is that a secret mm-hmm. weapon in the process? We we have been able to utilize that a ton, especially you know going back to even SMU. He lived you know less than a mile from campus, so we would do a lot of stuff over there. And when we got when he got over here, he was able to buy a house again within a mile of campus, and um, he built what he calls Disneyland. And so you know <laughs> there's there's like a little side house uh, in the back that that we kind of use for recruiting, and there's you know, Xboxes and Playstations and uh, heated heaters, just all, all that stuff. You can, you know, hang out there for hours. And so we'll, we'll bring in some uh, food trucks and different things. And it's been a great, you know, secondary place to go. So you can show them around campus, do whatever. And maybe he can go have a position meeting there or a, a face-to-face meeting with somebody's parents, or we'll have a big junior day and we'll finish the day at, at his house. So um, I think it's definitely underutilized uh around the league around college football really um but we are lucky that the last two places we've been we've been able to utilize that no doubt that's uh that's good stuff sam, sam yeah. it sounds like next time we're in town we got to go to disneyland yeah we got to got to, go to sounds promising yeah no it's a cool yeah. spot it really is <laughs> <laughs> well tyler Oker. Director of Player Personnel, TCU. Thanks so much for joining the podcast, man. Really appreciate you taking time at a, at a busy time, and best of luck with signing day. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. We appreciate Tyler for coming on and talking about the portal signing day, everything that goes on behind the scenes for recruiting staffs in college football. It's a, a wild time, and we talked about a lot about the portal in that discussion. And Now let's talk about National Signing Day. That comes up this week. And if you're a fan that doesn't follow recruiting on a day-to-day basis, not the diehard on the message board every day, we wanted to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what to expect this week. It's it's a big week. Uh, most of the high school recruits are going to sign this week. You know, you still have some that'll that will be left over in the late signing period or regular signing period, I guess I should say, in February. But most of them will make their decisions this week. So we wanted to give you a little rundown of some of the storylines, some of the programs surging, players that might flip. And we'll start with one who just announced his flip. Five-star quarterback Dylan Riola, longtime Georgia commit, flipped to Nebraska on Monday. Big story, number two quarterback in the country, number six player in the 247 Sports Composite. Of course, he's got deep family ties there. His dad played there. His uncle's on the coaching staff there made big news by announcing on social media with a poem that he is committing to Nebraska. Big win for Matt Rule. Max, what do you think about these Huskers, man? Wow. Well, Sam, 
Twas a week before Christmas. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do a poem. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's it's one of those that like it's it's every like message board fans dream, and it usually never actually happens. Like for for Dylan Raiola, he was committed to Ohio State early on. He was uh, <laughs> he he ended up uh, committing to Georgia for quite a while. You know, certainly. It's not just Matt Rule. I mean, Nebraska has been re- recruiting Dylan Raiola for three, four years, right? This has been the dream come true. Not to put too much on one kid's shoulders, but, you know, this is like the guy. Like, if Nebraska could get Dylan Raiola, man, we're, we're finally building something here. And so, um, big big deal around here. H- huge deal. Like, you can't can't understand it. Like, I think that um, pretty stunning that the, the way this has all kind of turned in the last few weeks I think for Dylan Raiola, I'm sure there's a ton of factors there. I, I, I'm sure it was a tough call in the first place not to commit to Nebraska. Um, I think Carson Beck, you know, announcing on Monday that he is going to stay in school and, and return in 2024. I, I I feel like that's got to be a little bit of a factor if you're Dylan Raiola mm-hmm. and, and and his family and you're assessing the situation at Georgia, which obviously they, they have a bunch of blue chips arms arms in there, but not having a you know clear path to, to playing time next year. Look, that that that's a factor for for all these kids and how they look at this stuff. And so, um, I think that that played into. But ultimately, like as he said in his poem, um, much more eloquently <laughs> than I could. Um, you know, this is this is that's it's kind of a family dream come true. And uh, you know, I think Nebraska clearly it's a credit to Matt Rule and his staff not not only for for you know busting their asses to to pull this off, but to to do enough in year one to convince the Royals, even if they're not going to a bowl game. You know, certainly, you know, not play for Big Ten Tyler and anything like that, but did enough this year to at least give the Riolas a sense of like, you know what? It's stabilized there. It's hopefully pointing in the right direction. Like, I think it's a credit to to that staff and their their persistence, but also just like doing a lot of, you know, solid, solid work in year one to uh, to to kind of give them some confidence that this thing is, is pointing in a better direction. So it's it's. Uh, it's massive for Nebraska. It's um, I don't think it's a huge problem for Georgia in the grand scheme of things. I don't know what you think, but um, it, this is a guy that, uh, you know, certainly around here, people will expect Dylan Raiola to uh, to play play day one and uh, and be a difference maker. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal for Georgia. Seth Emerson wrote about this last week when it started to get the rumblings of Raiola maybe flipping that he was going to visit Nebraska, which he did over the weekend. This is not catastrophic for them. Uh, the Bulldogs have won two straight national championships. They were a game away from possibly competing for a third straight. Uh, the program is in a really good spot. I will say that I'm very intrigued by how quarterback has gone at Georgia in Kirby Smart's time there. You know, from Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, of course, did a year there before he transferred to Ohio State. You had JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett. Uh, you know, of course, JT Daniels was only there for a yeah, little while. The, the then, five stars have kind of weirdly not worked out recently. Yeah. And, and then, of course, they've got Carson Beck, who, who was, who was, I believe, a four star when, when they signed him. Uh, and, and I think Ryan Puglisi, the quarterback commit they have right yeah. now, feel pretty good about. So, and Gunnar Stockton behind, behind Beck. Like, I think their situation's pretty, pretty solid here going forward. Yeah, th- this is quarterback is not a huge need for this team, but, but it is fascinating to me that the national championship program, one of the best programs in the country, has not necessarily just went and got a hey, the five star top fifteen guy, plugged him in, and then it's all worked out. They they've really leaned on 
the massive talent they have around that quarterback and not necessarily have it had needed the quarterback to do too much, not not to take anything away, away from Stetson Bennett, who was fantastic when he was there and really was an offensive weapon, especially his, his last year there when he was a Heisman finalist. But this is such a bigger deal for Nebraska, and I think it, to some degree for college football as a whole, yeah. because it's not the the Group A program, as Ari would, would put it, landing mm-hmm. the five-star quarterback. It is a program that has not gone to a bowl game for a while, a program that really needs it. And you talk about persistence. I thought that maybe the first, the second time around after the Ohio State decommit, that Nebraska would get him in that yeah. swing. And then, of course, over the summer, it looked like Georgia ended up winning that commitment. But it pays off, to your point, Matt Rule and that staff, persistent all the way to the end and end up winning out the recruitment. Yeah, and it, I mean, like it, you kind of you don't play high school, junior, senior. They go visit Nebraska and Georgia back to back, and you know there's a little bit of a difference in terms of where those two programs are at at the moment. So it's a leap of faith by Dylan Riola and and, uh, and his dad and, and his camp that uh, you know he can he can maximize his potential um, with the supporting cast there that he can help get it better and all that. And you know you touched on it, Sam, but like I think I think the takeaway a lot of people will have on this probably this is good for college football. You know, the, the five star recruits, uh, especially that mean this much to uh, to to, um, you know, programs that don't usually get to compete for these guys. It you know, whether it works out or not, it's it's good to see. Right. I, I think and, and, you know, I think they're they're Nowadays, I think, you know, the transfer portal helps that NIL helps that. But I think we are heading in a direction where, you know, it, it's nice to see five star players take chances on on places that uh they think they can really uh, shine as opposed to just going to sign up for the, for the talent factory that they know will, uh, you know, make them a high draft pick. Yeah. I wonder if NIL and then of course the coming 12 team playoff maybe has factored into this. Some you had, it felt like for a little yep. while there, so many of the top 100 talent players were kind of converging on just a small handful of programs. And maybe we're spreading that out a little. Some other interesting things. Uh Oh, we got a commitment commitment alert. This is on your run. Ah, that's right. That is right. We're going to talk about this. Uh, let's go ahead and skip to that. Texas. Texas may be headed for a third straight top five class. They're currently number six. Probably moving up now with the news that you just gave me. Xavier Filsimi, formerly committed to Florida, five-star safety. Has I'm going to trust your pronunciation on that. You're gonna what? Feeling good about the pronunci- you're, gonna, you're feeling good about that pronunciation. I, I am feeling good about that pronunciation. Uh, okay, All I right. did my homework. So, <laughs> uh, but Xavier <laughs> Filsimi, uh, former Florida five star safety, in state guy from McKinney, Texas, uh, flipped going to Texas. The Texas has had a nice run here late at the end. Kobe Black, top fifty safety, committed recently. Uh, it looks like Texas may be flipping Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, line four star linebacker who's currently committed to Texas A&M. So you're looking at Texas, who right now is in the college football playoff. They were they were kind of at, at the edge of the top ten a few weeks ago, and now they're surging, looking like a, a top five class right now. But Steve Sarkeesian is doing a hell of a job and building this team. Not just they haven't built not this team not just for now for compete, competing for national championship now, but I would say building this team pretty good for the future and competing in the SEC. What what has impressed you about how Texas has done this in the last few years? Yeah, I mean, this is what 
this is what it's supposed to look like, right? In terms of in terms of Texas, um, you know, recruiting at the highest level, not in the way of like let's just go reach for for guys based on rating, but uh, you know, really um, being being able to both like win in state with the Colin Simmons of the world who you need to, you need to win those battles uh, against the world, but then to go, you know, and, and, and to be able to go out of state too with guys like Brendan Baker. Um, yeah. I, I think in terms of building off playoff momentum and, you know, certainly you're, you're, you're going to get a little bit of a benefit here from the fact that, um, you know, A&M is, is going through a change right now down at the moment. Um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, kind of a perfect storm for Texas. And uh, you know, I, th- this is the kind of class that like, should have pretty high expectations in terms of maintaining that, that standard of success. So yeah, Texas, uh, looking like they're going to be uh, a winner, not, not a shocker to anybody, but looking like, uh, they're going to be a winner here on, on signing day this week. Yeah. Let's mention some others real quick. Florida state there, as we record this number three in the two, four, seven composite, believe it or not, this is the first top five class they will have signed since 2016. If they finished there and their last mm-hmm. top 10 class was in 2017. So, Oh, wow. Mike Norvell wow. and the staff really doing a good job uh, for for Florida State, getting them uh, really high in the recruiting rankings. Of course, you know you look at their on-field results, 13-0. Should have been in the college football playoff, weren't. But uh, but they, they've really capitalized on that, on the recruiting trail. Uh, Florida is trying to hang on here. They had a, had a top five class entering the week, but they just lost Filsamy to Texas. A couple others, DJ Lagway, the five-star quarterback who's been committed there for a really long time. Some some other schools, Texas A&M, Baylor, Houston, in-state schools for him. He's a Texas kid. They've mm-hmm. been in his ear, but he, him and his father both told 247 over the weekend that they're still playing to sign with Florida. But there's a few others, Amaris Williams. That, that kid's uh, a stud. Auburn's just just, just want to note real quick, that, that Lagway? kid's a, DJ Lagway's a stud. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm excited to see He's I'm uh, excited to see him I, next year. I got to see him in Elite Eleven in uh, in the spring, and whew, he is put together really well. He's a he's a big strong big strong guy, and uh, he's going to be a good one. But Auburn's kind of lurking for one of uh, Florida's defensive line commits, top 100 defensive line Maris Williams, uh, L.J. McCray, five star D lineman. He's committed. Auburn and Florida State have kind of been uh, in the mix. They don't still have a defensive line coach at the moment. Florida doesn't. That you know, Sean Spencer got fired, and they haven't filled that spot as a. This Monday, uh, Isaiah Williams, their three-star receiver commit, visited AM over the weekend. So Billy Napier trying to hold that class together. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that how Florida ends up. Auburn is looking really good. Hugh Freeze, first recruiting cycle going really well. Number 11 yeah. in the 247 sports composite entering the week. Uh, and they're in the mix to try to flip a few other guys. Uh, but they'll, this will be, if they finish in the top 10, if they're able to push in the top 10, They'll be their first top 10 class since 2020. The last uh, three years, they've been in the low teens and uh, high teens and low 20s. So, uh, Hugh yeah, they, doing a they've good got job. some they've got some like difference makers coming in. They were able to flip uh, Cam Coleman, the, the five star receiver, top 10 recruit uh, away from from Texas A&M after uh, mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher was fired. They have Perry Thompson coming in two two of the best uh, wideouts in the state and, and, in, and in the country. Um, so uh, and, and <laughs> I uh, told my our, our our friend Justin Ferguson, you're going to be covering some dudes next year. They're bringing in some uh, <laughs> some real some some real freak dudes. Um, so except yeah, that's a, not surprised that Hugh Freeze could could bring together a really strong class, uh, no matter the results on the field in year one at Auburn. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice looking group for sure. Yeah, 
Uh, Flip Watch, of course, you always want to look out for flips at the end. Number one overall recruit, Jeremiah Smith, currently committed to Ohio yep. State. He's been in communication with the Florida schools, did not take an official over the weekend, but it seems like Ohio State's confident they can hold on to him. Another Ohio State commit, five-star that, that, That's alignment. the one I'm watching on signing day, Sam. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Smith. Smith. Like, I'm not, I'm yeah. not calling a flip here by any means, but, man, those Florida schools are, are uh, fighting hard to try to flip him. And he is, from people I've talked to um, in the recruiting space, they, they see Jeremiah Smith as a uh, generational type of, type of wideout. Um, and uh, one that certainly those kinds of players, uh, that you can understand why they go to Ohio State. You know, the track mm-hmm. record of draft picks is, is ridiculous lately. Hartline's done an amazing job. But, uh, yeah, those Florida schools are not going to give up on Jeremiah Smith until that fax is in. So that could be uh, pretty interesting to watch. Could could. Could be Ohio State taking care of business, but uh, I guarantee those schools are uh, fighting as hard as they can. Yeah. Uh, Edric Houston, five-star defensive lineman, also committed to Ohio State. Recently visited Alabama and Clemson. Uh, oh, again, Ohio State seems like they're going to hold on there, but Bama's one to watch in that one. And one that may be leaning toward a flip, Armando Blunt committed to FSU currently. He had been committed to Miami back in the summer, decommitted in October, committed to Florida State in November, but took a visit to Coral Gables over the weekend. So it looks like the Canes may be able to flip him. Uh, and then along the lines beyond the five stars, UCF. Hello, UCF, 27th in the class rankings right now. It's the highest ranking in the modern era. They've never been higher than 50th in recruiting rankings. So That's shout awesome. out Gus Malzahn and his staff. That's awesome. Uh Highest ranked group of class, group of five class right now, South Florida, USF. Askelesh has 25 commits. They're ranked 50th in the country right now. So uh, that is the highest ranked group of five class. Texas Tech is going to end up, looks like, hold on to Micah Hudson. He's been holding strong the five-star receiver. They're 21st in the recruiting rankings. It's the, it'll be the first time they've had back-to-back top 30 classes since 2011-2012. So Joey McGuire and uh, that staff doing a really good job on the trail. And Miami, uh, currently number seven, they, they, they are trending toward back-to-back top 10 classes. And guess what? That would be a first for Miami since 2005. They had a run wow. of about four-plus top 10 classes uh, in a row back in the mid-2000s, early 2000s. But they haven't had back-to-back top 10 classes, at least not according to the recruiting data that our trusty recruiting editor, Mitch Light, has put together. Uh, they have not had back-to-back top 10 classes since the mid-2000s. So... Shout out Mario Cristobal in Miami. A lot of these, they've had a few top 10 classes sprinkled in. They had number eight class in 2018, uh, seven class, number seven class last year in 2023, but a lot of classes in the teens uh, in the last decade plus. So, uh, And that D-line so hall for the Hurricanes could be, could be pretty ridiculous when the dust settles on Wednesday. Interested to see what that group looks like. No doubt. It's uh, they're, they're stacking up talent over there uh, in South Beach. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they come together. Before we go, I wanted to see Max. We we got we get to see some of these guys, and, and we get to hear about some of these guys. We get to write about some of these guys. But who is your favorite recruit in this class, or who you're excited to see in 2024 or beyond? Well, I wrote I wrote earlier this year about Gatlin Bear, the the wide receiver from Idaho, um, who he's going to take an LDS mission, and 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 so it'll be a couple of years before he really breaks out um, in 24. Uh, uh, that's going to be. He was committed to Boise State. Um, now I think he's going to end up at, uh, you know, probably Michigan or Oregon. Um, but Sam, I, I'm sure you saw this go viral over the weekend. Um, thanks to Matt Sepp on Twitter. Byron Washington, DeSoto, 2025 offensive lineman. <laughs> um, he is 
from a from uh in terms of a photogenic standpoint, he's the largest offensive lineman in the history of uh, mankind. Um, just based on <laughs> based on the photos of what you saw from from uh, the UIL state championship, twenty twenty five O lineman. He's six seven and a half. He's three hundred eighty pounds. Uh, I was texting with Ari about this. Ari wrote a great story on Byron Washington that that y'all should go check out on the Athletic. Um, after seeing that that viral tweet, Ari uh, shared it on his Twitter account. But uh, Ari said uh, this is the biggest dude he's ever seen. Ari Ari <laughs> stood in a room with him and lived to tell about it. Um, I, I think that that Byron Washington is. Uh, Quickly going to be everybody's favorite, uh, everybody's favorite recruit in the country, and he's still got another year to go through the process here. Yeah, and the guy he was the number. Well, first, real quick, the guy he was manhandling is like six four. So, like the guy he's manhandling that plays for Summer Creek, who they beat in the state championship game, that guy is actually a big player. Like he's a big dude, and Byron Washington just makes him look like. Like he's maybe like a junior varsity guy because of the size difference. And dude, the poor guy in Summer Creek, he's probably like seeing the picture going around on Twitter. Is like, I didn't get pancaked. Like I held up my rep or something. He's also probably he's also probably asking for a hold here because I can see like looks yeah, like yeah. Uh, Byron's got a pretty good grip on his under his shoulder pad. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure yeah, he's thinking he's also hey, just the flag. You know, I know that the the AT and T stadiums you know got the dome, but I mean. Byron Washington literally just blocking out the sun on this guy, this six four. No, guy. So it's, it's just uh, it, it wild to see. Um, who who is your you you have followed the twenty four class, uh, especially in state, uh, a lot a lot more closely. Who is the guy that uh, you're fired up about, or you're betting on to uh, uh, to be a gem? Yeah, as I watched the Texas high school state championship this weekend, I got to see a lot of different guys, but the one that has been one of my favorites from the start is Hoss Haney, the TCU four-star mm. quarterback commitment. Uh, Haas is a guy that I get to, and, and Ari has wrote, wrote about him as well. We went to see him in Elite 11, and he, you saw him line did up. Tyler, Tyler other... make you say this, or this is this is on your own? <laughs> Tyler, Tyler did not make me say this. I have okay, actually was on Haas Haney before, before Haas Haney was a prospect. So I actually got to meet Haas. I went to a Texas Tech camp about three years ago. He has just been coming off his freshman year. And it was just hanging around watching. It was actually before Joe McGuire was there. I think Matt Wells was still a coach. And I was just watching guys throw on the on the in the stadium. And Haney threw the best ball of all the quarterbacks there. And he was just coming out of his freshman year. And I and when I was like, who is this guy? And I introduced myself. He was, you know, he's about five ten. So he's not real big. Uh and you know, found out he's a TCU legacy, you know, and uh just really Really impressed by him. He got an offer from Nebraska a few months after that, that, that summer, yeah. I think, or later that year. And then never was kind of quiet on the recruiting trail. And then after his junior season, it really started to pick up. And he's real fast track guy, about 10-6 in the 100. But it throws a beautiful ball and helped lead Alito to another state championship this weekend. Uh, it's I believe it's his second as a starting quarterback. Um, just threw, threw some NFL-type balls that you saw him in. Uh, I re- really, really enjoy watching him play, but I, he was one of those guys that I got to see before everybody knew who he was, and now you've seen him blossom, and he's, I think he's going to be a really good fit in TCU's offense and uh, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And the other one who I've had fun watching really for the last three years mm-hmm. is Colin Simmons, the five-star defensive lineman edge rusher who's going to Texas from Duncanville. They Duncanville beat North Shore in the state championship, and Colin Simmons, defensive player of the game, uh, he's been just the dominant, dominant edge rusher. And gosh, he's going to be a plug and play guy right away. I think at Texas, you're going to 
put him off that edge on third downs, and he's going to make an impact as a freshman. He's a big guy, kind, fast, kind of like an Anthony physical. Hill who can just you plug him yep. in, and he he looks just like yep. the rest of the guys out there. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason he's a five star, but I'm excited to see what Colin does when he gets to Texas, and uh, that that Duganville team is absolutely loaded. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm excited for signing day. Uh, excited for. As I'm sure you are, hopefully excited for the dead period coming up here, so we can all take a breather. Couldn't be more uh, before for the, the dead period be- before the college football playoff starts. So, uh, thank you, Max, for coming up for air to join me. Thank you all for listening to Max and Sam. Be sure you uh, subscribe to the Until Saturday podcast feeds. So you're notified whenever we publish the podcast. And speaking of the playoff, a quick programming update for you with the holiday season coming up, the college football playoff coming up, we're going to have a special edition of the pod Tuesday, December 26th. Nicole Auerbach and Chris Vanini will join me and Max for a special college football playoff preview. It'll be a power hour and Max and Sam crossover to preview Washington and Texas and Alabama and Michigan. So look out for that on Tuesday, December 26th. Also, be sure to join Stars Matter on Wednesday for a special National Signing Day stream 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on the Until Saturday YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe to that YouTube channel so you can be on for that. Catch reaction. We're going to have coach interviews. We're going to, of course, have the Stars Matter crew having fun and talking about the thing they cover all year round, which is recruiting. So they're the best people to hear from on this front. So be sure to tune in to that. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, National Signing Day stream on the Until Saturday YouTube channel. Of course, subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. Find the link to that in the show description. For Max Olson, I'm Sam Khan. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.